Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Hey, congratulations. You are one for one. Perfect attendance this year. We got a bunch of overachievers in the house today. Uh, so glad you're here. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us at one of our campuses. Uh, we're, we're glad that you're starting the year off in the house of God, and I believe that he's got a word for us today. I can't wait to introduce you uh, to our speaker, but before I do that, I want to hit a couple of things for us. How many of you get really excited about New Year? You love to do the resolutions and all that stuff? Okay, about six of us, which is awesome. And, and, and I, the older that I get, the more jaded I tend to be about the new year. And I was thinking about why is that for me? And I think part of it is that I have lofty goals. I want my marriage to be great. I want financial freedom. I've got all these things that I want. But usually uh, what ends up happening is my vision is reduced down to the level of my habits and routines, right? You know, I think this is the year it's going to be different. And my vision is big, but my habits and routines are small. And so I don't end up leaning into what I want to do. And, and we want to help you this year. Uh, we're starting a series next week. And I believe that if you have the best year spiritually, you can have the best year of your life. That we could lean into some routines and habits that are going to get us there. So we're kicking off a new series next weekend. I want to invite you. I want you to invite your friends. It's going to be called simply The Power of Routine. And what we're going to notice is that there are some small things that we can do every single day that over time, they become a well-worn path into the presence of God. They become uh, just, just habitual, putting us in the place we're going to hear and experience God's presence. I'm going to kick off that series next week, and I can't wait for it. One of those things, though, a routine, a habit that's become part of our culture here at Seacoast is, is the habit of fasting. And I know some of you, maybe you're here for the very first time, and you're like, dude, fasting, what is going on? Y'all going to break out the snakes next, or how, how does that work? No, 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 but, but what we do, why do we fast here at Seacoast? We do 21 days of prayer and fasting, and what we do is we want to find ways that we can loosen the grip of the world on our lives. How many of you have some area of your life that you would like a little bit less of the world in it, and we want to lean in and tighten our grip on God and God's presence, and so that's simply all we're trying to do. So we're going, hey, what are some things that we could eliminate in our life? Uh, for example, my family, uh, we're going to be fasting screens and sugar uh, for the next 21 days. Uh, and it's a little bit bigger than that, but we've simplified that for our kids. They are so excited uh, about what we're, we're doing. But we feel like our screens have had a little bit too much of a grip on our lives and our eating habits have had a little bit too much of a grip. And so we want to loosen that. Go, God, I'm going I'm to try to loosen that grip and I want to lean in to you. And what we're doing here is every Monday through Thursday at your campuses and online, we're going to be gathering together. I'd encourage you, if you can make it physically, come physically. At 7 o'clock tomorrow, our founding pastor, uh, Greg Surratt's going to kick that off for us. And we're going to spend about 45 minutes to an hour just praying together and processing some scripture together, starting our day. We only get one chance to start off 2023. We only get one chance to start strong. And so let's start strong lean in, pray and fast. And so it kicks off uh, at sundown tonight or the beginning of the day tomorrow, and we'll do it for 21 days, and then we'll celebrate, we'll feast, we'll eat like kings at the end of it. And so I want to encourage you to lean into that. It's going to be great. But now I get to introduce you to our guest speaker, and I told her today, this is the last time she gets an introduction at Seacoast because she's part of our family. Uh, Andy Andrew, she spoke Mother's Day this year. Her and her family, Paul and their kids are all here on the front row uh, they moved here in March of this year from New York City, pastored a great church in New York City for 12 years, and God led them here. And it's one of those things, we met 
about a year ago and, and processed this leaning and they were thinking that God was leading them here. Now I can look back on the nine months or so that they've been here and God led them here. Uh, for us, for our family, they have become very dear friends uh, to our family. Uh, I know that Andy spends a lot of time praying for our church. Uh, they serve in our church. And, and I think it was September of this year, she sent me the, the beginnings of the word that she's going to preach. And here's what she did. This is crazy. Preachers don't do this. She said, God gave this to me. If you would like to preach it, go for it. And I was so tempted because it's so good. But I felt like, no, I think God has given this for you for this kickoff of the year for such a time as this. And I, you're going to be blessed. You're going to love it. But would you guys stand to your feet and welcome Andy Andrew as she comes and brings a word. I love you. <laughs> Good morning. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, okay, is your name Donald? Don? Donald? Donnie. Sorry, I got to get that right. Donnie. All right. I just want, I am so encouraged by you. And I, um, we started coming here in March and I remember the first time I walked through those doors, I just, I wanted to cry because of the way that you say hello to people. And I love that it says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the courts and the house of our God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And you live that. Your faithfulness has changed my life. And I just want to say thank you for the way that you serve and the way that you love and you stand on that door every week. And I will call you Donnie, not Donald, okay? So I got it. I got it. Oh, my gosh. I just love this house. It has so deeply changed our lives, our family, in such a short amount of time. And this word has been burning in my heart since August. And um, I, I just was like, however it gets out there, I don't care. But I am so honored and grateful to be able to share it with you this morning. If you are taking notes, this message is simply called Be Prepared. Be Prepared. I do believe that we as the bride of Christ are in a time of preparation. And I do love that as we start at the beginning of the year, that we can start with 21 days of prayer and fasting to recognize that our flesh probably needs to die a little bit. You know, when Jesus said, if you would like to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. I'm like, that's offensive. I have to kill my flesh to follow you. Yes, every single day. And I realize that that is the beauty of fasting is that our spirit gets larger. It leans into what God wants to do. And we quiet the noise of the flesh and how it rises up because the flesh wants what it wants. But as we lean into the spirit, we see God move. You know, I love this song that we sing as a church. You know how um, I don't remember if it's a bridge or the chorus. Sorry to the musicians. But you know, when we say, we say, yes, Lord, do what you want to do. We say, yes, Lord, move how you want to move. Do, does anyone else love that as you just worship and sing those lines? But if we're honest, how many of us are like, we say, yes, Lord, do what you want to do, but like the way I would like you to do it. And we say, yes, Lord, but I've like given you my plan for this year. Can you bless it, right? We say, yes, Lord, we want to live abandoned, but also can you work in the confines of my control? right? That's what we do. We say, yes, Lord, do what you want to do. And I was thinking about this and how even when God answers your prayers, but he answers them differently than you want them to be answered. Has anyone had that happen? You're like, well, I wouldn't have done it that way, God, but I guess, you know, that's fine. <laughs> 
So for us as a family, I know from the time my kids were little, we had prayed over them, oh Lord, that they would have their own revelation of the love of God, that they would know you for themselves, that it wouldn't be our faith, but they would forge their own way and find you, Jesus, and follow you and find their own faith. So we pray these prayers, right? But then when God starts to answer them in ways where they start to encounter God, and then also I was like, but I, I wanted you to do it a different way, God, because I wasn't there or I didn't experience it or it wasn't about me. That is so bad. So self-centered. But you know, this summer I watched God do something in my kids' lives. I feel like I'm supposed to say this. There are some of you that one act of obedience that you have maybe been ignoring, you've been pushing to the side, this one act of obedience that may be difficult, I sense that the Lord is saying the things that you have been praying for, they will come through like a flood, but you need to be obedient first to do the thing that he is asking you to do. And I think for us, I mean, leaving New York was heartbreaking and beautiful all at the same time. But I have watched my children's life flourish here. It's blowing my mind. This summer, my husband and I, we got to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. And yes, praise the Lord. You all know, right? <laughs> oh man, the highs and the lows and the beauty of marriage. And so we got to celebrate that. We took a couple of days away and while we did, all of our kids were at summer camp, which was so cool. First time they had ever been to summer camp before, never experienced anything like that. But Sam, our youngest, was a little bit too young. So he went up and spent time with my mom and dad and my brother and sister-in-law. Now, my brother and sister-in-law are these wild revivalists. They have these tent meetings. They go out. They're evangelists. They're winning people to Jesus. They're baptizing them. They're seeing wild things happen. So that's where Sam spent our anniversary, <laughs> and he was hanging out with them. Well, he gives us a call while we're sitting by the pool, relaxing, just enjoying each other's company. And he says, mom and dad, can I get baptized? And the first thought as a mother is like, well, I'm not there. <laughs> but then I'm like, wait, he is having this encounter with God. He wants to be baptized. He heard this message about repentance and was like, I'm in. I want to get baptized. And I, we were both on the phone. on We're like, of course you can. So my brother and sister-in-law, I believe we have the first picture. This is him getting prayed for. And um, the crazy thing was, is he's like, mom, the sermon was like three hours long by this prophet. And I was like, are you so bored? He's like, no, mom. And then he recounted the whole message to me. I was like, I repent. Father, forgive me. And, uh, and he is just getting rocked. That's my brother and the veins in his arms, whatever. Um, <laughs> so this is the moment. And what Sam said is he said, as they laid their hands on me, I felt the power of God come on me. I'm like sobbing going, what? You can't make this stuff up. And then I think we have the picture after he came up out of the water and um, was baptized. And I am just blown away by what God did. And so it was just the start of that where you're like, wow, we say, yes, Lord, do what you want to do. I really would have liked to have been there, but thank you, God, for answering our prayers. Thank you, God, for answering our prayers. And then come around September, it's a heavy travel season for me, and Chosen was happening. And I told my daughter, I was like, listen, you're going to skip school and go to Chosen. I feel like this is a good choice. And so, um, <laughs> so she skipped school, went to Chosen, and the Worley family took care of her, and she hung out with them. And that's a whole other story of just the goodness of God and friendship and everything that he's doing there. And um, I am preaching in Detroit, and I get done preaching, and I look down, and my phone is blowing up. 
And I have my host with me and Kaylee, my friend who's here today as well. And we're sitting there. I look down at my phone and the whirlies and a whole bunch of people are going, get on, get on your phone, get on FaceTime, do something. Your daughter wants to get baptized. I'm like, what is the deal, God? Like, why? And I'm sitting there and I, I just go, ooh, ooh, and I start crying. And my host is like, are you okay? I'm like, I need to go. I think she probably thought someone had died, but I, I honestly was just rocked. I'm like, what is going on? I get up to the room. The ugliest cry I've ever cried. I think we have, let's put up that first picture that we have. This is, oh, I'm ugly crying in the corner. Look on FaceTime. Um, <laughs> it was the ugliest. Um, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there watching. Look at all these mothers in the faith. My kids never had that before. Gosh, the church is so beautiful. And I, I think we've got the next one. And so I'm sitting here ugly crying watching this happen and um, watching my daughter just get rocked. Look at her coming out of the water, the joy. And that was so fun. I like watching this, you know, I've been baptized in the water. Like the whole thing is I'm like, what is happening? Like that is one of her favorite songs. They're singing this song. The water is wild. And they keep singing it. And she goes down and comes out of the water and everyone starts screaming. And I am blown away. And my daughter has more of that story to tell a little bit later. But the way God rocked her and her obedience to God, and she had this encounter with him. You can share the rest of the pictures if you want to. But oh man, I was just blown away by what God did. But if I'm honest, look at Jenna. Jenna's so pumped. Who loves Jenna? <laughs> and Lisa, like just, and Caden, all the friends, that. Does that make you cry? Like, she's so happy. Because the Lord rocked her world. And guess who wasn't there? I wasn't there. And guess who it's not about? Not me. And I realize that there are some of us that we need to let go of some things. We need to surrender. We need to say, yes, Lord, do what you want to do. We say, yes, Lord, move how you want to move, even if it doesn't make sense. See, we will plan our way, but the Lord determines our steps. Does he not? Proverbs 16.9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So I would say this in your 21 days of fasting and prayer, lay it all out there, lay it all down, but also surrender it and say, yes, Lord, do what you want to do. We we say, yes, Lord, move how you want to move. And I realize that I don't know about you. Maybe we're planners, but do I have any procrastinators in the room? Oh my gosh. I am like the worst procrastinator. I am the person where unless I have a deadline, I will find a thousand other things to do. I'm like, wow, that cupboard, look at it. It needs to be organized. It's so messy right now. I should be writing this, but I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this. What is under my kid's bed? I should organize this for them. I should separate this and give some of it away. You know, you look at all the, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a meal plan for the whole month and then I'm going to mosey through and I'm going to grocery shop. No, I have things to do. Anybody else, when you get a deadline that you just sit down and you get it done, is there anybody like that? That's what I do. If I've got a deadline, it'll get me organized and I will run that race better than anybody else and get the job done. But I realized here is the deal. And this is where we're going this morning. We do not know the deadline for when Christ returns for his bride, the bride that we are, the bride that is being prepared. So technically, we could all procrastinate, couldn't we? We could procrastinate and find a thousand other things to do, a thousand other things to do rather than be prepared in the spirit, rather than repent 
quickly rather than confess our sins and bring them into the light. We're going to go there. Why not? Because it is the beginning of the year. I'm so excited. Rather than lay down our lives and surrender all, rather than do the work to walk in healing, rather than serve, rather than make amends and forgive, rather than walk in obedience, we could find another, like a whole bunch of other things to do rather than be prepared in the spirit. And I'll say this, since the resurrection of Christ, we are officially in the last days. You know how there have been many books and many prophecies? That's not where I'm going today, so don't worry. I'm not going to tell you to go and get the Left Behind series and read that. That's not what I'm doing today. But what I am talking about is preparedness. If we are the bride that is prepared, living as a people that are ready for him to do whatever he wants to do at any season, at any time, that we would be a people that are obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that we would repent quickly, that we would forgive quickly, that we would make amends quickly, that we would walk in healing quickly, that we wouldn't wait. We're not holding back, but we want to be prepared. And I don't know about you, I'm not a Girl Scout, but I am a woman who carries a purse. And I know that I am prepared for a lot of earthly things within that purse. I mean, I was looking in it this morning. I was like, I have a tiny baby bottle of Tabasco. I am ready to put hot sauce on your eggs for you if that is what you need. I've got Neosporin. I've got Band-Aids. I've got allergy medicine. I have got Advil. I have got, seriously, you name it. I've got snacks. I've got my Bible. I've got a notebook. I've got water. I've got wet wipes. I've got hand sanitizer. So if you need anything after the service, I'll be right over here and I can share with you. But... (laughs) I realize that there are a lot of earthly things that we are prepared for, but let me ask you this. Are we prepared in the spiritual? Are we a people that are prepared? Matthew 26, 41, and just put this on your wall while you're fasting this week and the next week and the next week, however you're fasting, whatever that looks like. Jesus said this. He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation for the spirit is indeed willing but the flesh is weak. (laughs) And you know what I'm so grateful for is even in the story of Jesus calling his closest three disciples to come and watch and pray with him right before he was about to be crucified. What did they do? They fell asleep. They did some sleep praying. Anybody else really good at sleep praying? Let's be honest. It happens. Any new parents in the house? You're like, we're so good at it. (laughs) But I think about this and I go, we need to watch and pray that we may not enter into temptation because the spirit is so willing. Who's like, I'm so excited for 21 days, three days in, I'll be like, I hate this. I hate this so much (laughs) because you realize how loud your flesh can be. But I do believe that we are in a time of preparation. So what does this look like? God is preparing the bride of Christ. His bride is being prepared as we speak. So what does it look like to be prepared. We're going to look at the parable of the 10 virgins this morning. And don't worry, this is a PG message. If you have not read this parable, I'm not going to say anything in front of your children if they're in here that you would be like, why is she talking about that? But this parable is phenomenal. And I want you to know that this is an intense section of scripture that sometimes we just read over or dismiss because maybe we don't understand it. We love Jesus, the shepherd, right? Oh, be our shepherd. But Jesus, the prophet is 100% accurate. 
So every other prophet that has ever lived is not 100% accurate. Jesus is 100% accurate as a prophet. And he walked in the fullness of the fivefold ministry. And I'll explain that a little bit more later. But we need to understand when he prophesies and tells us a parable or a story, we need to lean in and go, I don't understand this, God. Can you help me understand? So as we read this parable together, here's what I want you to know, that Jesus is the bridegroom. He is the groom. And we are his disciples, the 10 virgins. So that's what you need to understand. We are the disciples and he is the groom. So as we walk through this, we're going to go through Matthew 25 verses 1 through 13, the parable of the 10 virgins. At that time, now, just so you know, right before this, Jesus has just given a prophecy at the end of the age. And you know, when those prophecies come, the disciples are like, time out. I like have 10 questions. So like, can you give us a timeline? Like, when is this going to happen? And even Jesus tells us, I don't even know when I'm returning. The angels don't know when I'm returning. Only Father God knows when I will return for my bride. So be prepared. Be prepared. So he says this, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took their oil and their flasks with their lamps. And when the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, here comes the groom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. And the wise ones answered, no. There won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. And when they had gone out to buy some, the groom arrived. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. And he replied, Truly, I don't know you. Therefore, be alert, because you do not know either the day or hour. Again, Who does not like to read these scriptures? You're like, nope, 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 nope. Those are difficult things to hear, but there is so much wisdom in this. So how do we live prepared? Number one is this. Well, it's kind of, you know, obvious, but be prepared for literally anything. Be prepared for anything. We just moved here and realized that you have to be prepared for hurricanes and you need to have some friends that you need to ask, like, what are we supposed to do? We have no idea. We would be those people. And so we realized that there is a preparedness that you have to be ready when hurricanes come. When you're pregnant, what are you doing? You are reading every book, figuring out what is it to be a parent. And then on that day at the hospital, after you stay there a couple of days, they give you the kid to take home. And you think that everything that you have read has prepared you for everything you're about to do. You're like, wow. There are a lot of things we prepared for, but again, how are we prepared in the spiritual? If we read this, it says this, in the middle of the night, in verse 6, was a shout, here's the groom, come out to meet him. Now think about this, when it comes to a wedding, having a midnight wedding is not the norm. That's not something that you would do. It's an awkward, unexpected time for a wedding to take place, right? But when we look at this, when we live with anticipation, this is pointing to anticipation. If we live filled up with the oil of the Holy Spirit, if we live with anticipation, if we live wide awake to what God is doing, it doesn't matter if he shows up and moves something in our life and says, be obedient here. I want you to do this. I want you to lay that down. You go, no worries. I'm ready because God, you move however you want to move. There's an anticipation that we lean into. Now, if there were five 
foolish and five wise, how did the wise ones know what to do in the times that they were in? And how can we understand how to walk in wisdom in the times that we're living in? Anybody else want to walk in wisdom in the times that we're living in? Yes, and I think even this year as we pray, I mean, there are so many things coming around the corner. We all know another election season is coming next year. So we're like on our knees praying, but it's like, God, we want you to move. We want to understand and have wisdom, knowing what to do in the times that you have called us to. Well, if we look at this, it's kind of simple. The foolish didn't take oil with them except for it was already in the lamps, but the wise took extra flasks of oil with them in preparation for possible delay. Everyone had oil in their lamps when they showed up. Everyone showed up. All 10 were invited. All 10 RSVP'd yes. All gathered at the bridegroom's house. All 10 lamps had oil in it. The outside was the same. It's what was on the inside that made the difference. From the outside, you couldn't tell who was prepared and who was not prepared. All 10 went to sleep. There's nothing wrong with going to sleep, but are you prepared when that trumpet shouts or when someone heralds and says, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to move here. Are you prepared? Are you so filled up with the Holy Spirit? Do you have that extra flask of oil that you're like, it doesn't matter, God, because I trust you. Whatever you want to do, I'm going to move with you. I am prepared for anything. Wisdom prompts watchfulness and demonstrates preparation. And we all nod off at times, do we not? We have all gotten lethargic in our faith. We have all gotten lackadaisical. We have all fallen asleep at the wheel of our faith. But we need that spiritual caffeine to wake back up again, the oil of the Holy Spirit to be poured in so that we can walk and live prepared. Amen? So the unwise walked in presumption. (laughs) But the wise with anticipation. There are also two other elements here that I see. There is being prepared and being tested by the delay, being prepared and being tested by the delay. I am a horrible packer. Is there anybody else where you, you overpack everything and you're the annoying person where every, yeah, okay, thank you. I'm not alone, but it's like, I am the person where I'm like, I could totally do a carry on. I got this. I mean, I travel and speak and do all these things. I'm in planes all the time, but yet I still am a horrible packer. What is the problem? But here's the deal. I don't know if I'm going to wear my hair naturally curly or straight, so I need to bring my products. I don't know how I'm going to feel with my shoes, so I've got to bring a couple of options. I don't know how I'm going to feel on the day that I need to get up there and preach. Do I want to be comfy or do I want to look, you know, different? So i got to have some options. But here's the deal. If you travel with me, I'm probably prepared for you. I'm prepared for myself. I'm prepared if you bring a friend. I'm ready. It's annoying when you have to check a bag because... Does anybody else notice how slow the baggage is here if you check a bag? Okay, sorry, I digress. Um, that's new for me. But <laughs> so, so delays, what do they do? We're, we're either prepared or we have to realize that delays test us. You know, when you're on a plane and there's a delay, anybody love people watching, the angry people? It's so funny. I just laugh so hard. I'm like, I don't know about you when they're like, hey, we're so sorry, but there's some work that we need to do either on the tires of the engine or the this or the that when they tell you. People are like, rah! I'm like, I don't want to die today. I'm okay with a delay. Go ahead and fix whatever you need to fix. Get us on a new plane. I would like it to go up into the air and then land the way it's supposed to land. And so, but I've realized that delays like show what's really inside of us, doesn't it? Delays show us where our control issues are at. Delays show us where our anger is at, where we want to have things go our way. Delays also show us where we're not prepared, right? 
So we need to pay attention to where we're not prepared. So do we live with presumption or surrender in anticipation? Number two is this. Don't live on borrowed oil. Don't live on borrowed oil. It says this, and all the wise virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. So go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. This is why I get so excited about prayer and fasting. Guess where you get to get oil in the presence of God. And there is no scarcity with our God. We received Jesus, which meant we get to walk into the throne room of grace. And then they gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, which means there's more than enough for everybody. You don't need to go to somebody else to get borrowed revelation. You can get it straight from the throne room of God. And this is so exciting. Oh, I love it. But we live in a day and age where borrowed oil is the norm. What do I mean by that? Okay, I love reading, I love podcasts, I love listening to messages, I love all of these things, right? But if we just sit and borrow oil from other people without it causing us to be a a catalyst in our lives, to dig into more, to be curious, to go, God, what do you say about that? As you listen to a message like this, don't take my word for it. Go and read the whole of the book of Matthew and seek out what God is trying to say and do. What does this borrowed oil mean? God, I don't understand. This is new for me. See, if we live on borrowed oil, we listen to the podcast, we read the book, we hear the message, and we don't do anything, we are depleted. We need to do something with the oil that is given to us. And this is why I love the fivefold ministry. And Jesus gave us the fivefold ministry. What do I mean? Let me read it to you. It says this. So Christ himself, Ephesians 4, 11, gave us what? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to do what? To equip the people for his works of service so that The body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We have apostles sitting right there. This church was pioneered by an apostle, his son sitting next to him. We have teachers that teach the word. We have evangelists in our world that go, hey, life is not all about you. There are lost people out there that need Jesus. We have prophets that say, repent and turn your heart back to God. And we don't like them very much. But also we have the shepherds. We have shepherds that nurture us and love us through the highs and lows of life. Why? Not so that we can borrow oil, so it is catalytic for us to go, oh my gosh, I need to grow and mature and give this to the people in my world. Amen? Oh, okay. Scarcity is not a thing with God. It's not. There is more than enough. Do we enjoy the benefits of Christian community without a true love and passion and desire for more of Christ? Oh, listen, I want to show you this. I have this Herodian oil lamp that um, I got on Amazon. Um, <laughs> I would love to say I got it in Israel. I didn't go on that trip. So, um, And this is an exact replica of how they lit candles and lanterns back there. Um, <laughs> but this is probably what it looks like, and it's filled with oil, right? Oh, you got to be kidding. Got this, we got this, we got this. Okay, so this would have been, please work. I didn't trim my wig, guys. Uh, But this honestly would have been what the lamp looked like. Now, what did they do? So the foolish virgins, they just brought that. It had oil in it. But the wise went to Harris Teeter and got an extra vial (laughs) of oil. (laughs) 
But this is what they did. The wise had extra so that when this ran out in the middle of the night, what are you doing to get more oil, to lean into the presence of God? Nobody else can do this for you. Nobody else can do this for you. That's why showing up to prayer, if you can, I know you might have kids to drop off, but if you can come in the morning and lean into the presence of God and pray and go, God, I don't understand all of this, but fill me up. Fill me afresh. I want more oil. I want more of your presence. I want to see you move, God. I want to carry more oil. I don't want to expect other people to give me things that they actually cannot give me, that only you can give me. I want to lean into you. That's what this is for. So guess what we have for you in our response time? We have these little vials of oil that the most beautiful team took and filled up for each of you. You can go to the different spaces around this place in response time and take one of these home with you to remind yourself and remember that he is more than enough. And when the oil is in the lamp, what keeps burning? The fire. If you want the fire of God to burn in your life, the passion of God to burn in your life, get more oil. So grab these and remember that he is more than enough. Amen. You know, uh, I'm about to bring this to a close and just share with you the last point. There's this little stretch of road after I drop off Sam in the morning to school. And... There's either one person that I pray for on that little loop, or I sing this song. And I, I'm not going to sing it for you, but I, but I sing that song, You Provide the Fire, I'll Provide the Sacrifice. You provide the spirit, and I will open up inside. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up. I weigh my life down. Fill me up. It's this well-worn pathway. The last thing I want to share with you is number three, it's stay alert. Don't hit snooze. How many snoozers, though, do I have in the house for real, for real? Like, yeah, we're just like ruining our circadian rhythm all the time. (laughs) My husband is not a snoozer. To his dismay, I snooze um, all the time. I love to hit the snooze button because, you know, it makes me feel like I get more sleep. But we are living in a day and an hour where we, as the body of Christ, the people of God, we cannot afford to hit snooze on our lives. We cannot afford to go, you know what? I'm just going to delay. I'm not going to do that yet, God. I, I know you've been speaking to me the last couple of years, and I've been asking you to like, answer my prayers, but you said just be obedient to this one thing, and I'm totally ignoring that. But, you know, I, I'm just going to fall asleep over here, and I want you to bless me, God. He's like, no, you stay awake. Stay alert. Don't hit snooze. This is about staying wide awake to our lives, confessing our sin quickly. Even this morning as I was preparing, there's just stuff in my heart. And I'm like, God, forgive me for this. I repent of this. I don't want to bring any of this to the platform. I don't want to bring any of this to my children or to my husband. I repent. God, will you forgive me? Repent quickly. Confess our sin quickly. Bring it into the light quickly. Lay our lives down quickly. Forgive and make amends quickly. Cry out to the Holy Spirit daily and say, fill me up. Yes, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit when you were saved. Just want you to know that because you got the fullness of the Trinity when you give your life to Jesus. Just, just so you know. But then it's just like, God, fill me up to overflow. Fill me up. Therefore, be alert because you neither know the day nor the hour. We're at a friend's house, and um, during Hurricane Ian, fireplace was going. It was really late at night. We were ready to go to sleep. We were all really tired. It was time to go to bed. 
Then we realized there was an issue with the fireplace and the fire wasn't going out. There was a fire starting to burn underneath that was actually really dangerous. We didn't know. And it was actually Lee who started to yell. We're like pouring our water bottles on it. And then all of a sudden he goes, this isn't working. Call 911. And we're like, oh, okay. And before we knew it, we were all ready to go to bed, but we were wide awake at the moment we heard call 911. There's an alarm sounding on planet Earth. And we get so comfortable because we got what we got. We got what we need. My family's good. There is a lost and broken world out there that is crying out for God and they don't even know it. And they need us to be the body of Christ that is wide awake to the assignment right in front of us. Amen. Amen. That we would say, yes, Lord, do what you want to do. We say, yes, Lord, move how you want to move. I surrender all. I lay my life down. Father, we give you our lives. May we be a bride that is prepared. May we walk in wisdom. May we be like the wise, five wise virgins, not the unwise. God, we want you to fill us up. We want to be paying attention to those in our world that need your love, that need your truth, that need us to come alongside. But may we live from a place of overflow in Jesus' name. Amen.